0: History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.
2: Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charles, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
3: It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and little league practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schneppley and Toth.
0: So the other night I uh, I lost my phone and uh, the lights were out in in my bedroom and I couldn't find it. I didn't want to turn on the light and wake everybody up. So I spent like five or ten minutes just fumbling around looking for my phone and I couldn't find it. And that surprised me because... I had turned the flashlight on my phone on to help me look for my phone. And it was kind of like a, I don't know, a nocturnal shallow end moment for me.
4: So let me understand this. You were using the flashlight on your phone. Right. To search in vain for your phone yes yeah was this yeah. was this like a fever dream kind of thing were you <laughs> what no, the hell I, dude I, just,
0: I i don't know i just one of those moments you know i just there was some sort of a disconnect in synapses in my in my head
4: and um, so did so. you out loud say to yourself oh yeah i when did you, when you realized and I woke Kat up, so
0: I should have just turned the light on. It would have been easier.
4: It's ironic to me, too, because isn't Kat got a thing for flashlights?
0: She does. Yeah, she So has. I would
4: picture you have flashlights virtually every three feet all over your house.
0: Yeah, we have several emergency, in case of emergency, glass cases uh, uh-huh. housing various types of military-grade <laughs> flashlights and flashlight sure. related various products. lumens uh, yeah. various lumens oh my god yeah
4: it's all about the lumens
0: it's all about the lumens with her yeah she's probably got 25 different flashlights god she's just really into flashlights and like
4: we needed another reason to love cat I think I've got probably 12 or 14 different flashlights of various lumens she I'll, would have
0: I'll, more but they they keep getting confiscated at the uh, at TSE. I mean, TSA, you know, TSA <laughs>
4: Yeah. for the record, we here at the shallow end will never confiscate your flashlight or will we improperly search you? No, oh, yeah. this is true. Mm-hmm. I purposely uh, carry when I travel uh, cheap, like six dollar flashlights for that very reason, because years ago going through TSA, I saw a guy get a it had to have been a two hundred dollar tactical flashlight get confiscated, and I thought the guy was going to burst into tears and I couldn't have blamed him. So (laughs) ever since then, I always fly with, uh, like you get a three-pack at Costco of those 500 lumen flashlights, because I think if I lose a $6 flashlight, it's a drag, but it's not not the end of the world. I think we're just going to spend this entire episode talking about flashlights. What do you think? (laughs) Why not? I can hear people tuning out right now. I'll get right to my story. Save us and tell us a story, JG.
0: Jody Poole is a man from West Yorkshire, England. He's 32 years of age, and he's a thief. What? Yeah, he had convictions for theft and also convictions for handling the handling of stolen goods. Mr. Poole was a self-employed ground worker, and uh, his work would often require him to spend time in industrial parks. Consequently, they were often his targets. This story's only a few weeks old. Just a couple of weeks ago, he was at a Telford industrial unit and spotted a tractor trailer fully loaded with goods about to go to market. Just sitting there, ready to go. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this was pretty enticing. All one had to do was to hook up a truck to this trailer and drive off with your stolen booty. (laughs) So, how to pull off this industrial park caper. Obviously, it would make sense to rob the industrial unit on the weekend when fewer people are around and the unit was closed. Of course. So the first thing to overcome was how to get back into the Telford Industrial Park when it was locked up tight. He noticed an exit gate on the side of the facility and it was large enough for him to drive a tractor trailer truck through and uh, it was only secured with one lock so he thought well that'll be easy, I'll take a metal grinder with me, I'll just grind the lock off. Having seemingly solved his entry problem, (laughs) how was he going to tow an entire fully loaded tractor trailer out of the gates once he had cut them open? Well, this was the easy problem for him to solve because he had a fully functional diesel semi-trailer truck that he could use. Do tell. Yep, yeah, And the reason he had it was because he had stolen it from the Yorkshire <laughs> area in October. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to use a stolen semi-trailer truck to, to steal, steal a, a trailer. trailer.
4: This is perfect. This is destiny. Well, he put a lot of thought into this. Sure. He didn't just stumble into this. This man thinks things through. So he was ready to go at this point and he couldn't
0: waste much time since the giant semi trailer fully loaded with with goods would be moving out soon and headed to market. So just a couple of weeks ago on February 11th, Saturday, he put his plan into action. He hopped in his stolen trailer truck cab and drove toward the Telford Industrial Unit. As he slowly pulled up to the gate, he could see that there was no one around. This is good. So he hopped out of the truck with his metal grinder and went over to the gate and began cutting through the lock. It took a little bit of time, but he was successful in breaking the lock free from the gate. He then swung the gate open, got back up into his stolen truck, and drove into the industrial park. (laughs) Lady Luck was smiling favorably on Jody Jody that day. He had been concerned that perhaps the trailer had been shipped out already, but it was still there, still fully loaded and ready to hit the
4: market. Can you imagine the disappointment if you're Joby Poole and you've got your tractor trailer rig, the cab, and you go to all that work to you said he used a, a grinder to break yeah, in a metal grinder, yep. metal yep. grinder. You go through all that and then you pull your stolen <laughs> truck into the yard and then the trailer that you want to steal is already gone. Wouldn't that just be heartbreaking?
0: <laughs> it would be hard, I think, for a would be thief to come back from such disappointment. But yeah, but yeah. not Jody. Um, he so he backs the truck up and he manages to connect it to the trailer. He jumps out to inspect the rig to make sure everything was looked up and looked fine. He then uh, slowly pulled forward, swung the truck at a sharp angle, and pulled the trailer through the gates and out onto the street. Things were going perfectly. He slowly maneuvered his way through the streets of the town and eventually reached the northbound M42. Now, the thing is, almost as soon as he pulled out of the industrial, uh, industrial unit, somebody there did spot him. And they called the police so jody's only been gone for a a short period of time like less than a half an hour and he's driving along on the m42 minding his own business he looks in the mirror and he sees that he's being followed by police Hmm. as you know it's a steep climb trying to outrun law enforcement while driving a fully loaded semi-tractor trailer so jody to his credit decided that uh, that would be a fool's errand and when the lights went on he just pulled over. Really? Yes.
4: Boy, you hardly ever hear of that. It's Usually no. it's a chase and a waste of gas and time and yackety sacks and Benny Hill. <laughs> but he just, he said, screw it and just pulled yep. right over. Huh? Yep. When he saw that he was
0: being followed, he pulled the truck over at uh, Junction 11. Again, to Jody's credit, he, he got out of the truck and he walked mm-hmm. toward police with his hands up. Right. Owen Beale... A prosecutor said that Poole quickly gave up when he realized he was being followed. Quote, Poole walked toward the police with his hands in the air.
4: He was arrested and the load was recovered. And what was that load in the truck? Well, bit? I was just going to say, there must be something, well, I guess it doesn't really matter. Stealing is stealing, but... Stealing is stealing, yeah. But what uh, What did they find when they rolled open that back door? 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs. No! It's an Easter story. <laughs> yes, it's an Easter story.
0: <laughs> In fact, the police quickly dubbed Jody the Easter Bunny Bandit. Nice. 200,000 Cadbury cream eggs Holy with an estimated no. street
4: value of about 37000 U.S. dollars. Those are some premium bits of deliciousness. <laughs> 200,000 eggs? Yeah. Wow. On Tuesday the 14th, opening
0: statements for the case were made and Beal told the magistrate's court, quote, I don't know if you've seen the news uh, recently, but uh, there was a load that was stolen in a trailer full of Cadbury products, a large number of cream eggs. He also pointed out, quote, this clearly wasn't spur of the moment offending, if I can put it like that, because he had taken with him a tractor unit and had to know the load was there in the first place. So it wasn't just a Theft of convenience, like he's, you know, standing in the aisle, checkout aisle, and he decides to steal a candy bar. The prosecutor went on to say, "quote This is clearly an organized criminal matter. You don't just happen to learn about a trailer with that kind of value being available." His defense attorney said that Poole understood that a substantial sentence was likely. He didn't fight it. His attorney said, quote, He stopped the vehicle when he realized he was being followed. Everything stolen has been recovered, and that will no doubt assist the owners of the various items that had been taken. There was no interference with the food products that were taken. They will be in a condition that can go back on the shelves immediately. And I imagine that's true, Lindsay, but I don't know how I'd feel about consuming a burgled Cadbury cream egg. Does it taste slightly different when it's tinged
4: by theft? Anything that's stolen and has cream in it, I tend to be wary of. I often, in situations like this, I think, tell me that not a few of these eggs might have disappeared in the process of being cataloged or taken back yeah. to the yard. Yeah. You got He's cops like... stuffing their pockets with Cadbury eggs. There's a, a police officer with
0: chocolate all over his mouth. <laughs> Nothing. <Lockets> bulging. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Poole pleaded guilty to theft and criminal damage. He will be sentenced at Shrewbury Crown Court on March 14th okay. and is expected to be jailed for two years
4: well, for his theft. All right I wonder if they're uh, cut him a break because he was so cooperative.
0: Well, I think that's probably his strategy. He he knew he couldn't outrun the police in a semi-tractor trailer. Might as well just be as nice as I can. Yeah, not with 200,000
4: eggs. No.
0: My source information, The Guardian, Newser, The New York Times, The Associated Press, and Fox 11 Los Angeles.
4: Nicely done. You're a dog lover. Always have been. Man's best friend has always been yours too.
3: Dogs are so loving. Cats act like they're doing me a favor by being in the same room. I hate cats.
4: But what if your new girlfriend or boyfriend is a cat person? Or your children want to adopt a cat? No cats in this house. Ever Introducing Felinexa, the only prescription drug proven to turn cat-hating people into cat lovers. In clinical trials, Felinexa changed brain chemistry, and in just a few weeks, it turned patients from this...
3: God, I hate cats so much... ...to this... Look at Buttons. She's not superior. She's just confident. Oh, she's not scratching me. It's just a little love, Pat.
4: Feline Exa should not be taken by people who love snakes or other venomous reptiles. As some patients tried introducing their cats to snakes, it turned out like you'd guess.
3: Don't you just love the way she walks into the room? Who's you
2: cute little girl?
4: Fall in love with cats with new Feline Exa.
2: Hey, Lindsay and JG. So this is technically a time where I was on the periphery of a shallow end dive, we shall say. My ex kind of perpetually lives in the shallow end. While we were together, we drove an old Chevy pickup truck, you know. First start now, our, our nice new ride, it was not new, it was like a 90s pickup truck. Either way, the shifter linkage went out. Now, I don't know how much you know about cars, but that's the little thingy that allows you to shift it from the steering wheel. So we were having to put our vehicle in park and drive from underneath the truck with a pair of pliers. I was six months pregnant at the time, mind you. So at this point in time, I could no longer physically get under the truck to shift it. So my boyfriend was having to do all the driving. This as you can imagine, could lead to so many problems, and it leads exactly where you're thinking. So here we are, putting our truck in drive, and it starts rolling, and it drives over my boyfriend. I jump into the driver's seat as quickly as possible, slam my hands down onto the brake, and the parking brake on which he had forgot to do because obviously you know if you're having to ship the vehicle from underneath it you're gonna want that parking brake on either way it's now parked on him he has run himself over in his own truck and i am between a wall and parked on my boyfriend my only option is to back back over him to get him out from under the truck Long story short, he ended up in the emergency room, no broken bones, but yes, he ran himself over. To this day, he still tells people I ran him over, but no, he forgot to turn the parking brake on and ran himself over in his own truck. I like to think of myself as more of an assistant lifeguard who might dip her toes in the shallow end from time to time. And my dating choices have gotten much better over the years.
4: The email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. We encourage your stories, your uh, your story ideas, something that happened to you that was a shallow end moment. And as we've said before, you're more than welcome to record that yourself. We love to hear the audio. Record it on your phone and email that bad boy in to lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Yes, Stacy, a listener, writes... Hey guys, just listened to the latest episode and had a similar experience in the mid 90s. Working at a gym, and the opening crew discovered someone had broken in overnight and stolen multiple items, including a big screen TV. Wow. Here's where the shallow end moment sets in. While cleaning up the broken glass outside of the gym, one of the employees noticed skid marks etched in the pavement presumed to be from dragging the bulky big screen TV out the front door of the gym. So the sheriff followed the marks directly to the front door of an apartment next door. Oh my God. The TV was recovered promptly. The resident got a pair of shiny silver bracelets instead of the TV. Thanks for triggering the memory. Love the show, Stacy. Thank that's, you,
0: Stacy. That's hilarious. Yeah. Don't you love it when uh instant karma strikes like that and uh justice
4: sorts itself out? Yeah, that's just that's delicious. And I'm sure the entire time the sheriff had to be thinking, this can't be this easy. I can't just follow the this, this skid marks all the way to this front door.
1: When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You're in the shallow end. With Schneppley and Toth,
4: have you ever? Uh, well, I, I think we've talked about this. You have you have dealt particularly when you were in Maine. You dealt with uh, various household pests, right? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Did you know that the uh, the seven most common household pests uh, ranked? What, what would you What would you guess is the is the first, the most common household pet, a pest rather? Worldwide or regionally or uh, let's let's say uh, here here in America. Uh, I'm going to go with squirrels. Um, I wish I had a buzzer sound, effect. <laughs> but I, but I don't actually mm. squirrels did not make uh, even the, the list of the seven most common. The most common are ants. Okay. Yeah. In yeah. America, sure. And this includes carpenter ants, which are an issue in Florida, aren't they? Oh yeah. Don't yeah. Fl- yeah. Everywhere. Um, number two, cockroaches. Yick. Disgusting. No one wants to see that in their house. Number three is fleas. Hmm. That surprised me. Number four, biting bed bugs. Yick. Number five is flies. Number six is termites, and then. Uh, Seven is uh, mice and rats. Those, those two are tied, I guess you'd say, for seventh place. The three most difficult to exterminate are termites, bedbugs, and cockroaches. But what would you say, J.G., is the creepiest pest you would have to deal with?
0: Ooh, Well, coming from and having lived in Arizona, as, as you have, um, scorpions come to mind. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. palmetto bugs. Okay. Those are okay. like huge cockroaches. Yeah. One time I woke up in the middle of the night and heard a noise coming from my kitchen, like this clicking sound, and I, and oh, I went no. out to the kitchen and... um we had left a pot of rice on the stove and I and I looked in it and and it was a cockroach or a palmetto bug or whatever it was. It must have been six inches long
4: just eating rice. Oh my rice. God. Oh Scared God. the crap out of me. Oh God, stop it. Stop telling the story now. <laughs> For the love of all that's holy, I command you to stop. Uh huh. Well, that's well, not as bad as the time I was walking
0: through the... Um, Dining room, and uh, somebody left a belt on the floor, and I went to pick it up, and it was a snake.
4: Really? Yep. Yeah. Really? Was a, it was a snake. It was a bull snake. Was this in Arizona?
0: Yeah, it was in, uh, yeah. right out, right outside of. Uh, well, it was uh, way out on East Speedway in Houghton. In I Tucson. think I
4: visited you in that house. Yes, actually. you did. Yeah. 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 Well, that's uh, interesting. You'd say that because to me, uh, that's the answer the the creepiest pest you could yes. ever have to deal with would be snakes. I would think so. Yeah. And I'm picturing Samuel Jackson saying, <laughs> get these Monday to Friday snakes out of this Monday to Friday house. <laughs> this brings us to the town of Poolsville, Maryland in November of 2021. Now, Poolsville, Maryland is about 25 miles outside of Washington, D.C., And this homeowner had had an infestation of snakes. Yick. But he came up with a plan. Not a great plan, mind you, but hey, it was a shot. Now, part of this homeowner's plan, a a decidedly small part, but nonetheless, uh, part of the plan made sense. He knew that snakes have a tremendous sense of smell. And... He had done his research and experts said that just the odor of smoke, in theory, could prompt snakes to slither away, find some other place to hang out. Now, beyond that, the idea of setting a se- <laughs> setting a series of small fires <laughs> in a residential basement mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to drive out a snake infestation, probably not. way you'd want to go no no this is in uh as i said poolsville maryland that's in montgomery county and this was in november as i said of 2021 this uh house was on a a street called big woods road it was a very spread out northwestern part of montgomery county It, it just it didn't go as planned because it led to huge open flames all over the house, uh,
0: and, and I'm guessing in the basement. That's where he stored all of his oily rags.
4: <laughs> his oily rags, his ammunition, the leftover sure. dynamite, mm-hmm. lots of lumber, probably <laughs> dried lumber. Now he he thought, well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be smart about this. I'm gonna put. These uh, these coals in metal containers with like a you know little little circles uh, in in the top of these containers, so the smoke would just sort of drift out of these containers, and the fire would be contained within these these metal containers. In theory, in theory, that yes. sounds good. But uh, a local wildlife biologist, a guy named Dan Roush, said yeah that's not a technique i was familiar with i would certainly recommend oh i don't know calling a professional Mm -hmm. now fortunately no one was home fortunately or unfortunately no one was home when the fire broke out but it took get this 75 firefighters to put this house fire out no humans were hurt um did he get rid of the snakes The writer says a full accounting of the snakes remains unknown. (laughs) A gentleman named Pete Piringer, who's spokesman for the Montgomery County Fire and Rescue Service, said the reptiles were described to fire investigators as black snakes. And there had apparently been a lot of them in the house. The remains of only one snake were found in the ashes. One snake was found alive and firefighters said that snake came out of the foundation of the house and and i i'm hoping that cat will take heart when she hears that firefighters were kind enough to apprehend the snake and then carry it across the street and release it into the nearby woods yeah, he's had a bad day <clears throat> yeah he's had poor poor little fella lost his house So this secluded home surrounded by trees sits a half mile back from this road. And apparently snakes getting into basements is not unheard of, especially in colder weather. But and I didn't know this, this wildlife expert, Rausch, said snakes don't go into hibernation like warm blooded animals do. Instead, they enter a state of what's called brumation, Hmm. which is basically a less knocked out form of hibernation that cold blooded creatures do. So when it gets really cold, snakes apparently slow down. They become much less active and they, like humans, they, you know, pile on top of each other, lay next to each other for body heat. Now, apparently two very appealing uh, spots for them to do this is in basements and the foundation of homes and they can usually easily slither in and out of very small holes and crevices to do this i hate all of this (laughs) well not as much as the homeowner did the more that are in there the more body heat they share this this gentleman raush said they just ride out the cold season and then in spring they take off it's like yeah okay sun's out we're fine see you next winter So the snakes, they suspect the snakes in the home were either garter snakes or eastern rat snakes that are common to that that, uh, Washington region. But apparently this was not the first homeowner to have to deal with this. The person who had lived there three months prior to this, that I presume was either a renter or the previous homeowner, had had the same issue. And this guy had uh, the the previous tenant had actually tried the smoke out technique himself, but apparently didn't burn anything down. Uh, The the homeowner had set up these smoke devices on November 23rd, had left his house around eight o'clock that night and thought, you know, I'm going to take off. Let the let the smoke do the work (laughs) and put these coals in the basement, but unfortunately too near these combustible things. So two hours later, the fire department gets a call from a neighbor who report's seeing huge flames shooting up out of this house. This wildlife expert says that snakes do have a tremendous sense of, of smell, uh, even though they're essentially in this state of, of very deep rest. Now, here's what I didn't know. The Virginia State herpetologist... J.D. Klupfer said snakes use the flicking of their tongues to smell. Did you know that? that I snakes, did. Yes. I, I actually I did. didn't remember that. If, if I learned it, I forgot it. He says, if they get a whiff of smoke, they will try to go underground or to escape to get away or leave the area. But it's only temporary. And then they come back. This uh, wildlife expert said he'd never heard of anyone trying to smoke out snakes inside inside a home. He said... I don't recommend doing that. (laughs) Fire officials say no one should try to eradicate snakes from their homes by using smoke. If you encounter wildlife, call a wildlife expert or an exterminator before trying any home remedies like, say, lighting your basement on fire. Sadly, the home was totally ruined and the fire investigators determined the fire to be accidental with no suspected foul play. The matter has been turned over to the homeowner's insurance company. Wow. Wow. Snakes in a house. I got this from the Washington Post, ABC Seven New York, and CNN. That is my worst
0: nightmare, Lindsay.
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: Snakes. A big swarming ball of snakes in my basement.
4: No. So when when you were in Arizona in, in Eastern Tucson, and you saw you saw that black belt, yeah, on the floor, and you you. You picked it up and then re- and then it, what? It started to move. No, I I I reached
0: down to pick it up and it slithered away. And uh, ooh, I, God, uh, man! I I soiled my linens, <laughs> as the youngsters say.
4: Yeah, Dear I had, no, Lord. I had to pick.
0: I had to pick it up with barbecue tongs and take it outside.
4: Oh my God! Was anyone else home at the time? No, no, just me. Of course, nobody
0: wow. believed me when I tried to tell them.
4: <laughs> and then uh, I walked into the dining room and there was this belt and I thought it was a belt and then I picked it up and it turned out to be a snake and I carried it out. You don't believe me, do you? You don't believe me. I was—I
0: had a garage one time that was infested, w- it was actually a barn, it was infested with squirrels in the walls. Oh God. And this uh, was an older barn, one of those barns where you can, there were Two levels of wall. You know, there's an outside and an an inside wall, but there was no insulation in between. I get you. Sure, sure. The the cracks were covered over with uh, tar paper to keep the breeze out. And I could hear them in the wall. And so it's cold. I'm outside. I'm all bundled up for the winter. This is 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 in Maine. In in Maine. And I hear them in the wall. And so I took a shovel and I banged the wall with a shovel. And the squirrel came bursting through the tar paper like a clown through a paper hoop at a circus. (laughs) And it flew right over my head and it knocked my hat off. It was so close. For
4: reals? For reals. Yeah. Wow. That'll teach me. Don't just go banging walls with a shovel and not expect something to come come out. I think it's 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 very telling to me about you that you seem to think I'm going to go where it's either hotter than hell or colder than blazes. Yep. I'm going to live in Arizona. Nope, no, I'm going to Maine.
0: No in between. That's, that's true. That is so true. I wonder what that says. About I don't know. That. I must I hate know. myself on some level. Maybe
4: it's, uh, it's the self-loathing or self-punishment <laughs> of some kind. I think it must be. I don't know. I'll take that up with my therapist. But I'm glad you're in Orlando where everything's perfect weather-wise. <laughs> yep. <it's, laughs> no it's humidity a, or heat there. It's a regular paradise.
0: Yes, sir. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Love to hear from you guys. You're the best. And again, if you have an encounter that you've experienced in the shallow end, or if you know somebody who did and you want to tell their story, uh, record it on your phone and send it to us. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com.
4: We truly appreciate it.
0: We'll see you next time. Make good choices.
4: Your life might depend on it.
3: So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebley and toff We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online
2: at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, gotta go.